With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Superchargers, headlights, and more with over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. This is the Sports Illustrated Boxing Podcast. It's boxing. A look inside boxing with Sports Illustrated's Chris Mannix. Interviews, analysis, and everything going on in boxing. And now a man who I wish was called the Boston Bleeder. All doctors to the ER. It's sort of like getting punched in the face. Chris, Chris Mannix. All right, welcome back to another episode of the SI Boxing Podcast. The first podcast we're recording in kind of the new world, at least the new sports world as we as we know it, with all the uh, developments over the last few days uh, where the sports world has just ground to a halt as a result of the spread of the coronavirus, which has uh, officially... You know, become a epidemic in the U.S. and a pandemic worldwide. We've had major sports leagues like the NBA, NHL, soccer, baseball suspend their respective seasons. Uh, we have had football suspend off-season activities, and really, everywhere you look, and people listen to this podcast, I'm not telling you anything you don't know, but everywhere you look, things are shutting down for the foreseeable future, and that includes the sport of boxing, which is you know why I assume you're tuned in. Uh, to this podcast right now. The sport of boxing has is effectively shut down for, at the very least, uh, a month and a half. I would imagine that's, you know, barring a miracle, that's a, a very, you know, conservative estimate. But most promoters have canceled everything that they have on the books in March, in April, and are looking at May as, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, some stuff going on in the UK uh, and really around the world to talk about that and much more. I want to bring in a friend of the podcast, Evan Rutkowski, the uh, former HBO marketing executive, has his own podcast as well, and is uh, great talking about sort of the non-traditional boxing things. And Evan, this this certainly is a non-traditional conversation, isn't it? Yeah, this is a weird one. I, I don't know if it gets any. It, 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 there's a lot of theoretical stuff. There's, but it's just mostly it's strange times we're living in right now. Yeah. Before we get into the boxing stuff, you're located in Southern California. I'm in Boston, so. We get kind of a, a taste of what it's like on both coasts. What, what's it like out there for you in Southern California right now? What's the set the scene for me? Well, so I I live in an area that's pretty walkable. I actually, I live in Playa Vista, which is uh, pretty walkable on the west side. And people, you know, there's a lot of businesses here like YouTube and uh, Facebook, and you know, a lot of a lot of companies set up here. It's in general, people live here. Most of the people live here have young kids or dogs, and there's a lot of parks and everything. And it's remarkably not busy on the, on the streets. Um, there are still people 
you know, walking around. Uh, but it's kind of just everybody's hunkering down. And I mean, on days like yesterday, uh, where it was raining, that's a little bit easier. But on days like today, when it's sunny out uh, and pretty nice, it's still, you know, on a good day, it still hits 60 degrees here. Um, it's, it, you know, people are antsy and they want to get out. And a lot of people have little, like I have two little kids. I have a, a kid who's almost four and a kid who's seven months. And, you know, you're, you're talking, most of the people here live in townhouses or smaller houses or, or condos, and it, it's not a ton of space. Like you, you go, it's pretty easy to go crazy. Yeah. And I guess I'm on the, the other side of the spectrum here on the other side of the country and that, well, I guess, I mean, I'm in a different situation with no children and I'm not <laughs> married. So I'm, uh, you know, in my house, in my, my townhouse, uh, all by myself. I have a two bedroom townhouse and, uh, and it's it's look it's you know I'm not doing a lot ordinarily I'd be flying all over the country doing basketball and boxing stuff, uh, you know working around the clock but you know now it's just kind of settling in and I tell you this much I am a a supporter of local business specifically local restaurants that are in my neighborhood as uh, Uber Eats and Seamless have become a staple in my my daily diet so outside of uh, not functioning or not moving as much as I used to moving around in terms of travel as much as I used to things uh really haven't changed all that much for me Evan I'm I'm kind of following the same <laughs> kind of following the same track well and and I mean it's interesting actually I mentioned this to, uh, to you before we started recording but no my, my wife lo- works in local government here in Southern California and and you know she was we were delayed because she was literally on a phone call trying to figure out, you know, how to support the small businesses here as much as possible, because this is going to be a really rough time for them. Yeah. And I would say if they are restaurants, order food from them. Like that's the best thing you can do. They are going to take a hit no matter what. But if you can uh, support their their takeout deliver and delivery service, do it if you can. If you can afford it, uh, by all means, uh, go ahead and do it. Um all right. Absolutely, and and uh, one other, one other note on that. We, my wife and I actually we had a conversation. It was like, ah, should we order takeout food? Like that's it seems a little risky. And uh, they are actually one of the things she clarified. They are actually taking a lot of steps uh, to to be very clean and uh, you know m- make sure that they're taking precautions not to to spread the virus uh, from takeout food. So again. Do that. It it, it is helpful. Well, that's it good is to very hear. helpful. That's good to hear because there is a diner down the street from me that for the last four consecutive days has delivered uh, waffles, toast, bacon, and a blueberry muffin <laughs> uh, every single day, right around 11, 1130. Uh, so I, uh, I, I appreciate them uh, being hygienically uh, up to par. Um, all right, so let's just jump right into to what's going on in the world of boxing. As I mentioned, we've kind of we have come to a complete standstill when it comes to boxing. I wrote about this on SI.com this week. If you uh, want to read some promoter's perspective, I talked to a bunch of them, almost all the major ones, about their plans moving forward. And Evan, the, the bottom line is they don't have plans moving forward right now. I mean, when I called Bob Arum up, uh, he picked up the phone and said, I appreciate the call looking for answers, but we don't have any. Like We don't have any answers at this point. So let's address the obvious stuff right here. Now, the CDC has recommended that there be no gatherings for the next like seven and a half weeks now uh, of crowds of 50 or more. So you've been a part of these HBO boxing shows. There's no way you can do a boxing show with those types of restrictions, right? 
it'd be really tough. I think you'd almost have to be cheating the system somehow. I, I do think uh, there's scenarios like if, if you have a really controlled environment, and I think uh, you know UFC has the Apex Arena basically in house, and you know I, there's probably ways where you could make sure there's only 50 people or less while you're filming at a single moment, but when you factor in how many fighters are on a card and how many managers and uh, trainers and cut men and, you know, all, all that kind of stuff involved, when you factor all that in, just putting on a, a single fight card, you're going to have more than 50 people involved. So it's, you know, you got to have a really controlled environment in terms of, sh- you know, shuffling people in and out of, of the building. And it, it's just, I don't think it's really feasible. Maybe if you get to a hundred and only really have like truly essential people, then I think, you know, we're in an area where, where maybe we can actually, you know, put a TV product on the air with, with no fans in the crowd. Um, yeah. And I think but, that, yeah. I think a hundred, you know, at least opens the door a crack. I just think 50 and, and look, I know from talking to disown people that, you know, on the ground, they have 25 to 30 people that are necessary uh, every single night at one of these events. Now, maybe you can fudge the numbers by saying a lot of those people are in the truck, and that's not really uh, exactly on, on site. Exactly. So, yeah, I guess you could you could do that, but and you could also and Lou DeBella brought this up. You could also kind of bring people over in waves, sort of from a hotel across the street. You know, I mean, that's that's something. That well, you could, yeah, that's because I've I've tried to think through this because I actually, I mean, you know, boxing. And, and quite frankly, MMA and, and actually any individual sport is in a unique position here because they probably are going to be the first sporting events that can come back onto television. Uh, but they are going to have to really think through exactly, you know, if you look at the places around the world that have successfully dealt with this, they're taking temperatures every time you walk into a building, basically. And so if you really want to do it in a controlled environment where you're being responsible about it, you are going to have to think a lot of that security through in, in, in terms of not spreading the virus. And there's clearly even putting on a fight card with just four or five fights. Uh, and you're going to have to have four or five fights in case someone does have a last minute cancellation. Um, and you're going to have to start thinking through like, are we going to have to do fights where everyone's in the same weight class so we can have last minute replacement opponents? I mean, you know, th- there's a lot of stuff to still think through. But you can probably do it before a lot of these team sports come on. Uh, and, and you probably are going to have to move it in waves and are going to have to have make sure certain people come in and when they're done fighting, their entire team is out. And then maybe there's a, a way to clean up a little bit or do something like that and then bring the next group in. Uh, but it's tough. I mean, it, it, you know, even in a really controlled environment, it's going to be tough to put on TV. Yeah, and look, I think, and we can run down all the logistical issues of doing it in those situations, but, I mean, a big one is you'd need to have every fighter and probably every corner man and people in that corner uh, tested for coronavirus. And yep. right right now, those tests are not available en masse. Now, in doing some reporting on you know what some of these NBA guys have, have done, there, there have been private tests that have been done um, you know, for, for NBA teams. So I guess theoretically promoters could put up the cash to have private companies come in that are capable of this. But I mean, you'd have to have, it wouldn't just have to just be the fighters. You have to have the corners that are involved and, and fighters have to understand this. Like 
I, I had this this argument with Sergio Mora, who I, I worked with on DAZN, a former junior middleweight champion, and you know he's like, fighters will fight through it anyway. Like they'll, you know, we because fighters' mentality is we're putting our life on the line, stepping in the ring anyway, so we'll fight through the potential uh, danger of coronavirus. But this is where promoters and and look, state commissions would step in anyway. Uh, but you, you've got to make sure you're medically careful going into situations like this. Yeah, well, you can't spread. You don't want to spread the virus, basically. And and I, you know, again, like I think the testing is a huge component of this because right now, as we're talking, testing availability in the United States is probably the number one issue that we face in controlling this. Uh, but when you, you know, you look beyond that, you got to be able to test and not, uh, you know not put the public at risk first. And I, and I have heard other sporting, uh, other sporting leagues, uh, have privately, they, they've paid for tests. Like that's how they've, you know, gotten some of them, uh, which I'm sure is expensive, but you know, you also have to think about this, like you have to control the way they train. And I, one of the unique things about, uh, boxing and, and MMA in particular, but you know, let's focus on boxing most fighters are located in Southern California or Las Vegas, and you could probably get most fighters to a controlled gym in Southern California or Las Vegas, you know, and that makes it easier because they're going to train as well. So it's not just as simple as coming in for fight night. You have to kind of monitor them while they're training, like right up to the point where, where it's fight week, basically. And you got to make sure they're training in a gym uh, that isn't spreading the disease around too. So it, it does get, it still is really complicated, but just the mere fact that you're not playing a team sport where, especially a team sport where you're playing other teams constantly, like, you know, three, four times a week, you know, it's, it's sometimes like in baseball's case, I don't know how they do that. They play almost every day. So it, like fighters only fight two or three times a year. So I think there is opportunity to do this in a controlled environment where you can ramp it up and get moving again yeah and you mentioned the gyms i mean as you know where these guys train are often horrible horrible places yes like yes i mean i just came a couple of months ago from deontay wilder's gym in alabama it's quite disgusting i have been at keith thurman's gym uh in uh st petersburg florida it is quite disgusting so and look it, it it's part of the charm of these places it's what make these make some of these places you know legendary freddie roach said to close his gym uh, Wildcard for the first time since 1995, but uh, you, you do have to monitor all that. You're right. It is though, it, it, like, and I guess if you want to, and that, that would be sort of the negative side of it. You you touched on the positive side, like, you know, you don't have to do cards that are ten fights deep. You, you don't have to. Yeah. Like the zone right now shows all the preliminary fights. Uh, you know, ESPN does that on ESPN Plus. You don't have to do that. Like, you can still, you know, put the money makers out there. I mean, HBO for years. Oftentimes, they would just show two fight telecasts. Like you'd have uh, yep. a co-main and a main, and, and you put them on there. So that's you know four fighters and four sets of teams, and that keeps the numbers uh, pretty low. I, I think I think that Evan is probably going to be the first thing that is ultimately attempted two fight cards, where and I'm talking sort of like the the mid level guys. Use use Shakur Stevenson as an example, like a Shakur Stevenson level. Uh, event where you have a, a world champion, but not someone that's you know selling a ton of tickets anyway. Not someone that has a major purse. I I, I feel like that type of event is going to be the first to go on there. But and I wrote about this this week. You know, there's going to have to be an economic reality for some of these fighters because 
promoters are going to lose money anyway. I think some of these promotional outfits are in big time trouble. Like, you know, Lou DeBella's company, uh, Kathy Duva main events. I think they're, in, I mean, these are small businesses. They are in, I, I think, legitimate trouble of maybe even going under. Uh, but but these fighters as well are going to have to face an economic reality. I, promoters are going to go to them and say, look, Shakur Stevenson, you want to fight. We can offer you 70% of what we were going to pay you for your last fight or 60% of what we're going to pay, maybe less. Uh, and you can either take it and do the fight or you can leave it and not fight again until things get better. Roll the dice that, you know, in, in a month or two months, we can put a major event on with you getting the gate. I think that's going to be one of the first decisions that fighters and their teams are going to have to make. Yeah, and I think, I think the, so on that Shakur Stevenson level of, of fight card where, you know, you're going to, there's going to be a couple thousand people in the crowd. But, you know, people have to realize televising fights is expensive, at least doing it, in, you know, in a really quality way. So even if, you know, you are making some money on the gate, the, the cost of doing a broadcast is high. So in that instance, like when you're talking and maybe it's even a level below what, Sh- what Shakur is doing, but when you, some of these fights, when there's 2000 people in the stands, it's basically the, the gate is a wash for, you know, or you might even be losing money when you talk about how you have to travel your whole, you know, a, a huge number of people and put them up in certain hotels and then do the broadcast. It's when, where this is, and, and so for those types of shows, or even with Shakur, where you, you might have to take a little bit of a haircut to get to get back on the air, it's probably worth it just to further your career. And uh, you know, for the other ones, yeah, put them on. Like, I, it, there's just so much money at stake in terms of advancing the sport and advancing the career of of younger fighters and and sort of maybe mid level uh, veterans who who are just looking for big opportunity. But when you get to the highest level. Then you're talking about giving up multi-millions of dollars in the gate, and that's where it's tough. And I think one of the realities that I think every single league is going to have to deal with, and boxing is going to have to deal with too, is how long are, are these? How long is this going to last in stadiums? I mean, are people are they going to come back in two months? Are they going to come back in six months? Are they going to? I mean, do we have to wait until there's a proven antidote where you know you feel very safe going and sitting in an arena? That's a real question, and it's, some of it's not just when they're allowed; it's when the public actually is going to want to go pay real money to go attend these events. Because you know, look, I have a seven-month-old daughter; like, I'm not going to sit in an arena anytime soon until you know i know there's just so much about this disease that we don't know like what can you get it more than once like mm. if, if you get if, if you only get it once and then it goes away and you're fine you'll feel good about it but if you can get it more than once it you know th- there's just so many things that are that we don't know about this where I, I you know we may face the reality that gates may never be what they were so i think that's a low percentage sort of pathway but there's just so many unanswered questions here. Yeah, I mean that's the I mean that's the main point to make. There are a lot of unanswered questions that even as we sit here talking about possibilities, we don't know the answer. I mean, as you were speaking, one of the things that that jumped to mind about the bigger shows is you know maybe promoters need to start really looking hard at those outdoor venues because it does sound like um, those are safer places to be than. The indoor venues, um, that's at least just based on some of the stuff I'm reading from uh, from different people that are, are writing and talking about it, that being outdoors might be a little bit safer. So maybe for those big events in the summertime, 
you might explore some of those possibilities. You know, for Canelo Alvarez, maybe it's the new football stadium in Las Vegas. You know, for uh, you know, for for Anthony Joshua, of course, who loves to fight outside Wembley Stadium, stuff like that. But but we don't really know the answer to that. That we we do want. I do wonder though, Evan, like how long? You know, best case scenario, we're talking about you know probably early June. Uh, sports like boxing really getting ramped up once again. But there are worst-case scenarios that say, you know, July, August, maybe even September. Who knows? Maybe this could go even longer. We don't have answers. I wonder how long a Canelo or a Joshua will sit on the shelf. You mentioned those live gates. I mean, Canelo Alvarez's last gate against Sergey Kovalev was $8 million. Anthony Joshua routinely puts up gates of around $10 million or more. Um, It's a lot of money. But if we're in the middle of the summer and... You know, it doesn't sound like there's any end to uh, the ban on mass gatherings in sight, and you can go into really small venues. What will they decide then? Because Canelo still gets a massive television check. He's still going to get thirty plus million dollars from DAZN every time he fights. Same thing can be said for Anthony Joshua with his deal with Sky and with DAZN. Go down the list. I mean, for pay per view level stuff, that's where the real money is for a lot of these fighters. I, I wonder just how long they're going to be willing to hold out. Eddie Hearn. Eddie Hearn kind of gave me a timeline. He said Anthony Joshua is going to fight twice a year. That, that's his plan. He can push back uh, a fight all the way till the end of August and still fight twice twice per year. That's kind of what's going on in his mind. But if we get to you know August 1st and there's still no, uh, no update on mass gatherings, I wonder how long these guys are going to hold up. Would they really sit out an entire year or would they you know just say, I'll, I'll take the... I'll, I'll lose money on the gate to get that TV money. Yeah, so I I, I think that most fighters are going to want to fight, and I think that even if the if the gate money's not there, they're still going to want to go for it. And even the ones who are getting tons of money, like Canelo, I mean, you know, there's other factors at stake here. Uh, Canelo means a lot to DAZN, who is launching this. You know, we've we've talked about it previously, launching this world. You know, launching worldwide and. For DAZN to succeed, they need Canelo to fight. It's it's just really that simple. And is it worth it for them to make up some of what would have been the lost gate? And, you know, I don't know. I mean, a lot of the gates, too, especially on that level of fight, are, they're in Vegas for a reason because they bring so many people to Las Vegas. So they've put up, you know, Las Vegas has put up big money for these events to happen. And, and you know, it's like, is that a civic duty to, to come back? Are people going to want to come back? It still goes back to there's so many questions. But if I was a fighter, they're all going to have their individual timelines. I, I, you know, if Anthony Joshua wants to fight twice a year, yeah, he's going to have to look at just you know going using the UK pay per view, or maybe there's a way where in Saudi Arabia they could have the fight there and do it. You know, I mean, especially for someone like you know for a fight at that level, you're talking you can probably get everybody there on private planes and kind of do it in, in a, a pretty controlled environment uh, outdoors there if, if they're going to put up a big site fee. But, you know, you are going to have to look at, at some of this stuff. Like, it goes back to the pay-per-view discussion as well. I mean, if, if Wilder and Fury want to really fight the trilogy, you might just have to say, okay, look, the gate was $17 million last time, you know, or close to it. We might just have to give that up and, and, and really push it and, and hope to do more pay-per-view buys to make up for it. Maybe the fighters have to lower their guarantees a little bit based on that gate, but that's that might be what they have to do. And and I think I think fans will understand uh, that. It, you know, I, I think if it's like okay, 
if I want to, most fans want to watch Teofimo Lopez versus Vasil Lomachenko. And yeah, like if you lived in New York and you wanted to attend that live, all right, buy it on pay-per-view. Like that still matters a lot, you know? Uh, so I do think, you know, and, and, and we also get to, it's kind of touching what, what Eddie Hearn was saying with Joshua. You just need to move careers forward. And there are certain fights that this is the time for them to be made. And if they're not made now, they don't matter as much. And so especially, you know, Canelo Golovkin three is a great example. I think Lomachenko Lopez is a great example. If these fights don't get made in the next, you know, few months and, and obviously, uh, Canelo Golovkin, I get, you know, we'll talk about that later. Uh, the, you know, there's a timeline for this. And, and if it's not in 2020, well, Lomachenko may move down. Lopez may move up. I mean, Golovkin's getting older. Canelo is really in his prime. You know, you, you kind of have to do these things just just to move your career forward. Yeah, and if you're a network, and I, I don't want it to sound like it's war profiteering in a way, th- there's an opportunity here, like a big opportunity. I, I turn on my TV nowadays, Evan, and I'm I'm obviously not seeing any live sporting events. Uh, I'm seeing ESPN studio shows basically being run like they're you know, on a college campus with, you know, Skype interviews and FaceTime and, and all that stuff, all in the, the good name of uh, preventing the spread of, of the virus. Uh, but if you have an opportunity to put uh, live programming on the air, you're going to draw an audience. I mean, you, even if it's a lesser fight, you're going to have casual fans tuned in. I mean, if you're a service like zone, you know, you want to find a way to make fights you know, as safely as possible, but as soon as it's safe, you know, you want shit on the air. Like, you want stuff oh, out yeah. there because you now become the only game in town, in a way. And, and that's only going to last for a certain amount of time, Evan. At some point, you know, God willing, this this ends, and all of a sudden, you get into the fall, and you're going up against everything. You're like, you know, you have, yep. you try to do an afternoon show in the UK, boom, you got the Kentucky Derby going up against it. You, you try to do an evening show, and, and you've got all the NFL and baseball and all this stuff that's being crammed in. So, like, it, you know, it all depends on when the, the CDC changes those guidelines, but if they loosen up a little bit at the end of May and June, if I'm the zone, I'm scheduling as much as I possibly can before these other sports can start to cram stuff in. Yeah, I mean, and see, that's where I think it, both on the network and the promoter side, because promoters, yes, they're, they're the ones who are losing out on this gate. Like, the TV networks generally don't care about uh, the gate and it, it if you're the network though you you have to push this and i mean it, let, let's look at all of it it's, it's dzone basically dzone is going to thrive on subscriptions by having this especially the big fights like they really need to push their big product because like you said it, you at best you got a two or three month window and i mean it, like other sports have much more money at stake than boxing does even for its biggest events. So they will figure out how to do this and how to do it safely. Now, I think there's still a lot of questions for them and, and they're going to have much, much more to figure out because it's team sports, but you, you know, you do have this short window and then you're going to run into the traditional boxing dates are probably going to have overflow from other sports that, you know, are, are have moved along slowly as a precaution, uh, so again, it goes back to that question of like, there's just this huge amount of unknown uh, that you're going to have to deal with. Your traditional dates are probably going to have more competition, but you are going to have this period uh, before the NFL and, be, you know, I don't know what baseball is going to do, but before, you know, probably before the NBA, NBA, I'm, 
that's more your world than mine, but I'm assuming they will proceed cautiously, but they are going to have to proceed. I mean, it's, it's really a worst case scenario if they call off the season. Uh, and up until that point, yeah, you should have some big events. Like it's good. You obviously, you got to start with what you mentioned with sort of the smaller events and make sure you can do this safely. And it's kind of easy to experiment with some of, with some of the smaller fights because you can just say, okay, what's the best way to do this? Uh, you know, how can, how can we get it? You know, and that's the other thing we haven't touched on, especially to these smaller fighters. Like these paychecks are everything. Like these yeah. are there's no unions here. These are independent contractors, and you, you know the stars when they fight make a ton of money. The fighters a few levels below that are going to make still into six figures, but still pretty good money. But you know they have a short career. They only fight twice a year. The, the fighters below that are making really low money and and probably living paycheck to paycheck like a lot of people in the country and, and those are the fighters, like you kind of have a moral obligation to them to at least keep them afloat somehow and, and, and get them fights quickly when, when this, when you're able to restart this. Yeah. And this is, you know, Eddie Hearn had this idea about doing something over in great Britain where it sounds like at least for the moment that mass gatherings, that the limit will be about 500 people, at least to start. I, I mean, that can all, it's very fluid, of course. Things could change any given day. But if that is the number, Eddie's kind of envisioning a scenario where he does boxing every single day. I mean, he's he's looking at a content vacuum as well, and he's talking about you know setting something up with Sky Sports where those lesser fighters that he has, whether it's uh, Rashad Mahdi or Nikita Babe and, and the kids he's been signing, Otha Jones, left and right, uh, maybe the and plus is all his British stable. They have a chance to fight on these really small shows, make a little bit of money, and maybe he can, you know, catch a you know catch an audience with with all this with everybody out there sitting at home, starved for you know some kind of live content. Maybe he can get a boxing. I think that's pretty smart. I mean, again, you can't do that in the U.S. right now, but if that's viable in the U.K., I think that's a, a great way to to take advantage of a bad situation. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you know, the UFC has kind of been the one here. I, I don't know that they've talked about doing that, but they have just been marching forward at all costs, basically. And, and now once Trump got and spoke about, you know, it's really you should only be in 10 people at a time. That's kind of when they sort of agreed to shut it down like everybody else. But there we will be able to come back. And, you know, it, probably in about two weeks, we'll know what the real scenarios is going to start to look like. And then it's going to be like you said, those CDC guidelines are they're about seven and a half weeks from now. And that's when we can kind of run some tests or see if it's going to be longer. But I, you know, I do think, I do think again, there's like in a really controlled environment, you could take chances and do stuff like that. I think it's really smart to think out of the box like that right now. And you know, your only competition is going to be other individual sports for you know at the start. I mean, I think the only other sports that could even operate like this are tennis or golf or, or, or you know sports like that basically. But even they, they run the risk. They still play every weekend basically. It's not like boxers who fight two or three times a year. They, it's the same core group of people every weekend. So one of them tests positive, and and you're shutting the whole thing down for a couple of weeks, no matter what. So. There is an opportunity here for these individual sports to to move forward and, and be creative like that. I definitely encourage that kind of out of the box thinking. Yeah, and e- even if you can't get the the championship level fighters uh, to do it right away, if you can just start like I mean, like DAZN's got the the ability 
because they don't have to they can program on a whim to do you know seven straight days of kind of, I'm thinking like a WWE next sort of series with like these young guys that are fighting you know two fights at a time every single night you can for a very relatively low cost at some place like the Hammerstein Ballroom or the Manhattan Center um, or, or places like that uh, even small casinos that that would put stuff like on that on and give you uh, a discount, you know, if, if things settle down, you, you got a chance to to really build on a subscriber base on this. Again, I know I don't want it to sound like it's you know war profiteering, but this is just the sign of the times. I mean, you've you, you know, a lot of businesses are are going to go under as a result of this, and if you're disowned, you got to seize on the opportunity when uh, when it's ultimately there. So we'll see what happens. Again, it's it really is you know seven and a half weeks away. But I thought DeBella made a good point. You know, boxing people. They got to start thinking right now. They, they can't just sit back and say we're going to cool our heels for seven and a half weeks and see what the landscape looks like. You got to start making plans. I mean, where Debella and I disagree is Debella thinks that that networks should be kind of leading the way in all this. And I think it's got to be promoters. I mean, I think they're the ones with the fighters in their stable. They're the ones that have to get these guys fights. They have to start thinking about how to do it and and use these seven weeks to to make all that happen. Yeah, ne- networks are thinking basically. Uh, DAZN and, and Showtime are the only two. They're the two networks where boxing is their number one sport, and even they are going to be thinking about other things besides boxing right now. So it, it, I agree with you on that. It's the onus is on the promoters. You've got to go to networks and say, "Hey, look, here's my proposal. I think this is a safe way to do it. This is how we can do the, you know, the, the training, and this is how we can film it." Uh, and, and you know, I'm, I'm sure the networks will, will be supportive or the, you know, the employees there who are helping out will, the, everybody will be thinking about it, but they've got to be aggressive about this. And, and, and they've, the promoters have really got to push. And I think it, it behooves to start small, start with, you know, even if you want to start with the prospect cards, but move quickly and plan out, uh, you know, plan out to, to set up bigger cards. I mean, I really think right now, uh, and I don't, you know, it sounds weird right now, but I think Eight weeks from now, no one's. Everyone's just going to be so ready to watch any kind of live sports that they won't care that we're sitting here now talking about. Like, yes, it does sound weird to talk about it now, but inside boxing, you've got to be talking about it now, like because you should have a big pay per view fight, or you should have for DAZN a big, you know, subscriber drawing fight planned out and 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 ready. And if you need to move it back, you need to move it back. That's fine. You know, everybody recognizes this is a fluid situation, but. People are going to be starved for content, and at that point, it's less about doing the responsible thing because the government's going to tell you what the responsible thing to do is. It's more about you got fighters that you got to get paid, and you got fans who are definitely going to want to watch fights, and and you got casual fans who are just going to want to watch anything. So this is an opportunity. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret, like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids, Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. 
Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. With AT&T in-car Wi-Fi, elevate your adventure by transforming your vehicle into a reliable Wi-Fi hotspot. Connect up to 10 devices up to 50 feet away from your vehicle, making it ideal for camping and road trips. Don't miss out on the fun. Embark on your next adventure today. Visit att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to check if you're eligible for a free trial. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Yeah, eight weeks. I mean, we're not even eight days into this and people are losing their minds and looking for something to watch. So, I mean, take that as a cue, boxing promoters. Get up. Don't take vacations. Work on ideas. I know a lot of them... Uh, several of them, at least, that I talked to are, but be proactive in all this. I mean, the the network and the promoter that comes out of this in the best shape is the one and the entities that are planning right now. So get moving on it uh, right away. Uh, before I let you go, Evan, let's let's talk about you know some of the good news in boxing real quick. Um, we have an agreement for a third fight between Canelo Alvarez and... And Gennady Golovkin, Lance Pugmire of The Athletic, he was the first to report this. I was able to confirm it uh, later on in the day. Golovkin and Canelo uh, have a financial agreement in place to meet for a third time, uh, tentatively scheduled in September. I think Texas at Cowboys Stadium is the most likely place. I don't believe a weight has been committed to yet, uh, so either 160 or 168 pounds, uh, probably depending on what weight Canelo wants to fight at since he's driving the ship. Uh, in this one, I'll ask you this um, as uh, as someone that was part of these events with HBO and and a boxing fan, does this fight still interest you? Does you, does this still mean something um, as a needle mover on the boxing landscape? Well, this, I definitely want to see it again. I mean, I I thought they fought two great fights and, you know, I, I personally would love to see it. Now I know there's a segment of the hardcore boxing fan base that probably is like, eh, I don't need to see this anymore. But the the general public knows who these guys are, and the general public will definitely respond to this. And I think especially if, you know, we still, like, going back to that conversation, like, we don't know what sports are going to be happening in September. So th- there's a big opportunity for, for this fight to be one of the biggest things that's happening in all of sports. I mean, you know, the downside of that is it could be up against the NBA finals or something like that. We, you know, we really don't know, but, um, I, I think it's going to, it, it, it's going to be one of the first big events in the sporting universe that, that will come back after this, whether there's fans there or not. I mean, you know, I hope, I hope people feel comfortable going out by then and I hope everything's under control by then, but it, it, you know, I think it's going to mean a lot to the boxing casual fan base i think you know i think the hardcores who weren't super psyched for it i think they'll just be psyched for a big fight by then so i think they'll they'll be ready for it and you know golovkin yes he has aged and he's probably faded a little bit but there's a strong argument he won the first fight the second fight uh there's a strong argument it was a draw or maybe even golovkin won but there's also strong arguments for Canelo, and, and, and you know, especially in the second fight too. I mean, obviously he won on the judges' scorecards, and and uh, this will th- there's a legacy aspect to this that, that's going to be particularly meaningful. These guys don't like each other at all, 
there's all the ingredients here for a really nice buildup and 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 a big fight. So I, I think it's great. And obviously, that doesn't even mention the ramifications for DAZN. I mean, this is a fight that resonates worldwide for DAZN. Uh, it's going to be a subscription driver all over the world. So you you got to think. I mean, for them, this is everything, especially if Canelo is not going to fight Saunders. So it's really it's it particularly meaningful for them. Yeah, I mean, I, I look. They haven't said whether or not Canelo is going to fight Saunders at this point. I I remain skeptical given the current landscape, but they may try to get that fight in if they're able to do it in June. I don't think. I mean, I don't think that's particularly necessary, especially when. Saunders is so slippery. I mean, who knows? Could he have ultimately upset Canelo in a stinker? I doubt it, but uh, you never know. I I guess, you know, I wouldn't mind seeing Golovkin back, especially if he's going to fight uh, Zarameta, who is a very light-hitting uh, middleweight, somebody that Golovkin, even a diminished version of him, should just kind of bowl over. Uh, you know, he might need, you know, for the purposes of that Canelo fight, Golovkin might, could use maybe a, a rust shake-off and, a little bit of momentum, positive momentum, because he's coming off, you know, two so-so performances. He knocked out Steve Rolls, but he took some shots in that fight against a a vastly inferior opponent in the second round. Derevchenko was life and death. I thought he lost that fight, though. I don't mind the scorecard that goes the other way. Mine was was that close. Uh, so you know, maybe Golovkin coming back, but you know, the safest thing for DeZone has got to be just shelving these two guys, right? Just saying, you know, fellas, take the summer off yep. and and come back in the fall. Yeah, well, especially, you know, look, you, you want them to be training under the right conditions for the fight, too. I mean, you know, one of the worst things that could happen here is is they get the disease while training or something like that, and it derails it. I mean, so I, I wouldn't take any risks if I was disowned. I would just move straight to this and, and, you know, tell Saunders that he will get his shot after this, you know, no matter what happens. But um, in this fight, too, you know, Canelo Saunders might resonate in the UK. I'm not even sure it would resonate that much with casual fans here in the US, but Canelo Golovkin's going to resonate around the world. I mean, that's one of the biggest fights that can be made in, in the sport right now. Certainly outside of uh, heavyweight, it's one of the, you know, it's probably the biggest fight that can, that can be made unless Floyd comes back. So I really think, uh, you know, shelve them, get them ready for September, have a number of contingencies planned for how this could go and, and try to make that fight. Yeah, you make a good point about the training. You know, you want these guys in their optimal training camps and and doing things the right way, uh, which may not be able to happen until we get into June. That's when they'd probably go into some kind of of training camp anywhere, at least into into July. And, yeah. And just just lastly, the the you know for DAZN, you know th- this is not great, uh, not great circumstances, obviously because you know it's a subscription based service and you know there's no fights going on right now. But if you get into September, you kind of have an opportunity to to really spread out the major fights. If you have all these major fights that you could put on the calendar, whether it's, you know, Anthony Joshua fighting or, you know, uh, Pro Gray Hooker is not the, the mega fight that I think people are looking for, but any big fights, you have a chance to kind of space them out over three billing cycles. So you could conceivably really entice people not to just sign up for the 20 bucks to see Golovkin Canelo, but if you do it right and if you market it right... Um, you know, maybe get people thinking. You know, I'm going to watch that that Joshua fight. I'm going to watch this other fight. This schedule is so packed. I'm going to pay the hundred dollars, which is really what DAZN is looking to get everybody to do anyway. Yeah, and you know, another weird kind of side effect out of this that the DAZN could see is if DAZN is aggressive about getting fights on the air, 
I think a lot of people are going to feel a lot more comfortable paying that $100 fee for the yearly subscription rather than going month to month because I don't think it gets any worse than this for sports. And if you can come out of this and show your customer, your, your consumer base that you can get fights back on the air quickly, I think they'll respond. And I think they'll, they'll really respect that. I know, I know that's, you know, again, like I, I hate to have my brain think like that right now. Um, but you know, all it takes is, is, is a day of, of teaching my four-year-old how to spell certain things and, and keeping her physically active in our condo. And then I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm ready for some sports. Like I, I need something, <laughs> I need something. Um, and, and it is, it's, it, there is, it comes back to this whole thing. There is opportunity here. And I think there's opportunity, uh, to, to show consumers that, that, that you're here for the long run and that you can actually do this. And, you know, it, it really comes back to that, that big question. When are people going to feel comfortable getting back in stands and, you know, inside a stadium and not just attending fights, but attending sports in general. There's a lot of other sports that depend on live gate uh, and boxing isn't one of them outside of the absolute biggest fights. And even then you can still make the argument that the, the DAZN money or the pay-per-view money is still outweighs the gate and, you know, so heavily that it, these events are still worth putting on. Um, you know, maybe the fighters have to take a little bit of, of the risk on themselves, not just the promoters, but you know, they, boxing is unique in that scenario. And I hope, uh, the promoters can figure out and and they can get back, uh, get back up and running and get back fights on the air quickly. Yeah, I hope so too. And hope they start getting creative and start thinking of stuff, uh, not to repeat myself, but start thinking of stuff, uh, right now. Uh, Evan always appreciated. Uh, I won't tell you to stay safe. I hate when people tell me that because it's like, I'm not walking out into mortar fire, you know, into, you know, the, the downtown area here, but stay, stay healthy out there in uh, yeah. California. I think that's a better way yep. to put it. I, I agree. No, I know. I don't even know what to, I don't even know what to say to people at all. It's like to, to, you know, when you're talking, when I talk to my parents, it's a much different conversation than when I talk to my, you know, like friends, it's, it's just, you know, you're like, yeah, like when you're talking to your parents, it's like, yeah, stay safe. And, you know, as we're talking, I, I don't know what to say. I guess stay healthy. I think that's the right thing to do. And so. by the, by the way, every, everybody stay away from your parents right now. Just do it. Like I, I would love to spend time with my my family, but my parents are in their seventies. I'm not. I I feel fine, yeah. but I'm not going anywhere near them in case, you know, I am under the same circumstances as NBA players are, where you know they're not feeling anything, but they happen to be infected. Stay stay away from your family right now. Give this is what why you know we have technology out there. FaceTime, Skype, do all that stuff. Just yep. don't don't do anything close quarters. Yep. Yep, I totally agree. The no symptom stuff is super scary. That's yeah. where it's super scary. No so. kidding. Uh, Evan, appreciate it. We'll talk again soon. All right. Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Live Nation presents Concert Week. 
Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.